Hey there, Pastor Mark here. It's our prayer that this message would encourage and equip you in your relationship with Jesus. We're able to provide this content due to the joyful generosity of our financial partners. And if you'd be willing to join that tribe and help get some sermons like this around the world, you can donate at harvestbaptist.info slash give. God bless. Well, we are continuing our series on angels. And if you're new, we just started this last week, so you're kind of at the beginning of it. Uh, But angels are such a a part of the Christmas story. They are, of course, there with Mary and with Joseph and with the shepherds, and they pop up all over the place, but they've worked their way into our Christmas cards and our Christmas songs and angel illusions are are all over the place uh, during Christmas season. And so we're looking at what the Bible has to say about angels and then kind of how that intersects with the Christmas story. I wanted to review just very quickly, but last week we looked at some of the Bible where it warns us against going too far with angels. Uh, You can be guilty of not knowing enough about spiritual realities, that there is a spiritual world or an unseen world of which angels are a part. You can also be guilty of falling into a web of angel mania and just being so enamored with angels and demons and those sorts of things that you really lose sight of the big picture, namely the Lord Jesus. So there's three lessons we learned last week, just in a matter of 30 seconds. Never worship an angel. Uh, Angels are worshipers. They are not worshiped. They worship God and we worship God with them. Don't worship an angel. Second is never value man's experience above the received word of God. So you may have someone that has a story of maybe they intersected with an angel or they feel like an angel came to them in a dream. These sorts of things, you can read all kinds of books, you can watch all kinds of movies, you can find people probably right here amongst us who would have stories like this. And we don't wanna discount those entirely and say that like they're, they're null and void, but someone's personal experience or story is never the same level as the scriptures or as the word of God. And if someone has, you know, I have a message for you from my angel, well, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, don't tell them that they're crazy or that they don't know or that that's impossible, but really you wanna take that with a grain of salt and not elevate that. And then lastly, you wanna keep Jesus at the center of everything. You want it to be all about Jesus. And if you even study angels and it doesn't come back to Jesus, then you've done something wrong because the angels are meant to worship Jesus. So let us understand maybe just a a debrief on angels from the Bible. And we're gonna look kind of at three big questions. When were they made? And what are they like? And what do they do when it comes to angels? So first of all, when were they made? They were made, let's start there. The Bible tells us that God made his angels spirits. God made them. They created them. They, they had a start date. Best we know, they, did not, they do not have an end date or an expiration date. Uh, we don't see any instance of an angel uh, being annihilated or dying. Uh, we would consider them to be immortal, would be the word. And you would find that the uh, evil angels or demons as we would know them are treated in such a way where they're, they're not annihilated. They are constrained or confined. Even the Bible talks about hell and that hell was made for the devil and his angels as this sort of prison, as it were. Uh, so they do have a start date. They're not eternal uh, but immortal and that they, they would not die. And Job gives us a hint as to maybe when they were created, or at least we know they were around by this time. 
Uh, In Job chapter 38, God asked Job if he was there at the foundation of the world when he was creating. When I created the world, were you there, Job? And he says this about angels, that the angels are the morning stars, which is an angel illusion, that the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy, meaning that angels were around at least by the third day of creation, that they were there watching God create the world and they were praising and they were singing and they were excited about it. And so when exactly were they made, we don't know, but we know before us. We know that they have been around uh, since at least the third day of creation. You say, I'd like more specificity than that. I can't give you more than that because the Bible doesn't give us more than that, but we at least have a hint as to perhaps when they uh, started or at least they've been around by such and such a time. What are angels like? Well, beware of cultural misconceptions, first of all. Uh, there, there are a lot of things that our culture will tell us about angels that just aren't true. They're not rooted in the Bible. They're rooted in just what someone wants to believe or some sort of myth, but they're, they're not actually something that you find in the pages of Scripture. Uh, I heard someone recently say that when a girl goes to heaven, she gets promoted to an angel and gets her wings, and God does his best with the boys. And of course, we say that tongue-in-cheek uh, to, to say that girls, you know, they're sweet, and, and the boys, good luck, God. But there is no upgrade to angel for humans, okay? There is no like, well, grandma got her wings now. No, grandma's grandma. Like she didn't become an angel or somehow uh, transform into something different. Angels are a different category and they're, they're not human. They're not us. Uh, there are, uh, Seth actually mentioned one that many people think that, you know, all the angels have two wings or something. We do see in the Bible that some angels have four wings, some have six. Uh, some may not have any wings at all. I know that may shatter your mind, but um, we don't know that they would even all have wings. There are categories or types of angels. We even see them named as maybe a cherubim or a seraphim. We even know that the angels have ranks or they're, they're organized. So you would find, for example, Gabriel, the archangel, arch meaning first or best or chief. We would maybe say the four-star general that there are these types or categories of angels, they are ranked, and all that leads us to, to this conclusion that angels aren't cookie cutter. In the same way that all of us are human, but we're not cookie cutter, we're different ages and we're different sizes and we have different strengths and we have different abilities. In that same way, angels seem to be designed not cookie cutter and perhaps serving different purposes. We know that when we read about Lucifer, a.k.a. Satan or the devil, who is an angel who was created and has fallen, that this angel seems to, best we can tell from the description of the Bible, have been designed for musical purposes or to be especially musical. I can't say that 100% for sure, but it seems that way. And some have even intimated that because of that, that Satan loves to use music to worldly or wrong agendas that oftentimes he can use music as a tool to get people to believe or to think along certain lines or to put their, their head in spaces that is completely anti-God or anti uh, what, his, what his word would teach. The point being that you don't want to fall into cultural misconceptions of angels and uh, negate what the Bible says. And the Bible says that they're not cookie cutter, there's categories and types, and some have wings, some may not, and that that they're different from each other. Growing up, 
Uh, I lived uh, kind of in the woods, was, was our house from age five. My parents uh, built a home, and I lived there all the way till I went to college, five to 18. And we had the same next door neighbors that whole time. And they had kids our age, so we played all the time. But we lived in the woods. It would be similar maybe to something like the church here, where you were going down a street and you had to go up a hill and kind of turn, and then you'd be on top of the hill in the woods. That, that was our house. And our driveway was probably half as long as the church's driveway here. Our neighbor's driveway was every bit as long as the church's driveway here, if not even longer. And we had cut this little trail through the woods where we would go back and forth because to go down our drive, down the road, up their drive was like a 45 minute experience. It was just way too long. So we cut a path and we could get there probably 130 yards from house to house. You know, we get there real quick. We cut through the woods and we spent a lot of time over there playing games and sports. And, and we just, we played a lot. But I can remember very vividly my, my neighbor's mom, Mrs. White is what we called her. Beth was her name. And Beth had uh, angels all over the house. She had pictures of angels and paintings of angels and little statues of angels, but they were always the chubby baby angels. You know what I'm talking about? The like three-year-old toddler looking with rolls, kind of like Cupid's kid or something, like this, this, litty, this little angel with cute little wings. What is that? Well, that's a cultural misconception. <laughs> You would never find anywhere in the Bible an angel that looks like a cute little cuddly baby with, with little wings sort of, sort of, sort of angel. That's, that's not there. That's something that we've invented. And you want to be careful as you talk or think about angels or even look at pictures. Oftentimes, they're portrayed more as a fairy or more as Cupid or something like that than what you would actually find in the scriptures. You say, okay, then what are they like? Well, once again, they're not cookie cutter, but if we gave you some broad descriptors here would be some things that are true of all of the angels. First of all, they're spirit beings. You say, what do you mean spirit beings? Well, Psalms tells us that God made his angels spirits. Hebrews tells us, Hebrews is probably the most elaborate treating of angels, Hebrews chapter one. The whole chapter points you back to, it's not about angels, it's about Jesus, but it talks about angels. And it says that are not all the, the angels ministering spirits. You say, what do you mean spirit? Well, that's hard for us to wrap our head around because that's different than us. So an animal would have a, would have a body, but not a spirit. An angel would have a spirit, but not a body. We would have a spirit and a body. We're like hybrid. So what is it like to just be spirit? I, I don't know that I can give you all of the words around that, but I can take my best crack at it. I, A.W. Tozer can take his best crack at it. I'll read you what he said, actually. Spirit means existence on a level above and beyond matter. It means life subsisting in another mode. Spirit is substance that has no weight, no dimension, no size, nor extension in space. These qualities belong to matter and they can have no application to spirit. Yet spirit has true being and is objectively real. What Tozer is trying to say is, well, that's different, but that's real. Angels are real. And the Bible just assumes so. The Bible alludes to angels 300 times, and it never tries to convince you that they're real. It just assumes that you would know this and that they're real. Here they are. The spiritual realities that are around us that oftentimes we don't think about are true and are just as much a reality as you and I sitting in this room in this moment. So angels are spirits. Angels are heavenly. You would see this often. 
that they're referred to as a heavenly host or the angels of heaven, meaning their abode is with God in heaven. Now, angels are not God, so they are not, uh, they are not present everywhere. They're not omnipresent. You say, well, how would an angel who's in heaven somehow like come to earth, right? The angel showed up to Mary or showed up to Joseph or showed up to shepherds in the Christmas story. How did they get here? How did they travel? I don't know exactly how that works. I'm not, I'm not sure if that like takes time or if, uh, if there's some sort of mechanism or if they have to be shot of a slingshot. You know, I don't know. Probably not the slingshot. But they, they get here from heaven because they are heavenly. I grew up in Louisville. Seth mentioned multiple times, actually, Seth, and I'm not sure if he was trying to poke fun at me or what, that I'm not a yinzer, okay? Meaning I'm not from Pittsburgh. I wasn't born and raised here. But I've been here long enough where I am transforming into a yinzer little by little. But I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, where Ali's from, Muhammad Ali. And Ali is once quoted when he was the heavyweight champion of the world. And of course, he had a mouth like nobody else and could, and could he had talk with the best of them. He was quoted as being on a plane and the stewardess came by, they were about to take off. And she said, you know, Mr. Ali, you got to put on your seatbelt. And he said, I'm not putting on my seatbelt. Yeah, you're going to put on your seatbelt. And I don't need a seatbelt. Well, it's, it's the law. And this is, everyone's going to put on their seatbelt. You're not the exception to the rule. They're going to wear a seatbelt and you're going to wear a seatbelt. We're all going to wear a seatbelt. He said, look, I'm Superman. Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the stewardess cleverly looked back at him and said, Superman don't need no plane. (laughs) Off they went and he buckled up. Angels don't need no plane, okay? (laughs) Angels are heavenly. We we would say that they fly. Um, Oftentimes we get the idea of wings probably just from that illusion of them flying or ascending and descending. They are these heavenly creatures, these spirit beings. Angels are also limited, I mentioned this before, but they're not God. They're not all powerful. They're not to be worshiped. They're not all knowing. However, they are majestic, mighty, fear invoking even. Nine times out of 10, when an angel shows up, they will say the same phrase to to lead off. And that phrase is fear not. Because when they show up, fear is invoked upon people. It's not like, oh, look at this little puppy to play with. It's like, oh my word, I don't know what is going on, but I am terrified of what is sitting in front of me because this is, this is different. They are powerful. They are majestic. So much so that if an angel did show up to you, you may be tempted to worship with. That's, that's why there's this admonition in the Bible that we don't worship angels because they're, they're that awe-inspiring or that fear-invoking. They're powerful creatures who we'll see in a moment are warriors. Angels are also incalculable, meaning there's, there's so many of them. We don't even know how many there are, but there's a lot. Both Daniel and Revelation allude to the number of angels as 10,000 times 10,000, which if you took it literally would be 100 million. We would look at that and say, it's just kind of like us saying gazillion. How many stars are there? Oh, there's like a bazillion of them. There are many, 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 so many so that you likely can't count how many angels there are. You say, okay, that's great. There's angels, they're real, uh, they're spirit beings, they're they're heavenly, they're fear invoking. What's that have to do with my life? Well, what do angels do? 
If you had to create a job description for angels and put a few bullet points as to what they did, what would that look like biblically? So there's two kind of mainstays on what angels would do. There's a perspective from heaven on what angels do, and then there's a perspective from earth for the Christians on what angels do. So the heavenly perspective could be found in Psalms where it tells us, that bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength. So angels are, are to praise the Lord, to worship him. Listen to this, that do his commandments, hearkening to the voice of his word. So from heaven's perspective, angels are the servants of God who do what he wants. They, they are there with attentive ear, listening for the commands, waiting. What do you need us to do? What would you have for us? They're hearkening unto his voice. They are there under the command of God. And this is where, if you start to understand the angels are awesome, but they respond to the commands of God, it begins to elevate your view of God, not of angels. So in the same way that we as Americans have a commander in chief, and our commander in chief despite the fact of us living in, a, in a, a country that has free speech and there being Saturday night, Saturday night Live skits about the president and there being you know, monologues and stand-up comedy about the president, no matter who the president is, there's always like people poking fun and looking at things and, and all that sort of stuff. The president to other world leaders, our president always has a tremendous amount of respect that is given to him. There's always a tremendous, it doesn't matter, Republican, Democrat, there's always a tremendous amount of respect given to our president, even more than many other world, world leaders. You say, why would that be? Well, there's a, a, a few reasons probably, but maybe number one reason is because our president commands one of the largest militaries in the world. Like there is an army and there is a navy and there is an air force and there is a space force now and there is a coast guard and there are nuclear warheads. There is a lot of power militarily and because of that military power, there is automatically deference and respect given because you are the commander in chief of all of that, right? When you talk about the angels who are fear invoking and mighty and in many ways warriors, and there is a God who commands all of them, the fact that God would command all of the heavenly host is something that doesn't say, oh, well, the heavenly host is awesome. No, it says there is a God who commands all of that. That God is awesome, right? You put more respect on his name because there is all of this command of, of, the, of the heavenlies. And the angels listen to what he has to say, they're listening for his commands. But from our perspective, Hebrews tells us this, and this is perhaps the most interesting for most Christians. Hebrews tells us that are not all the angels ministering spirits? You say, what do you mean ministering spirits? Helpful. Ministering. You say, what do you mean ministering? Ministering to who? Well, here's the rest of the verse. They're sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Ministers to those who are Christians, ministers to those who have put their faith in Jesus or would put their faith in Jesus. Sent to help us, you could say. You say what do you mean, how do they help us? Jack Graham in his book on angels classifies uh, the job description in three ways, worshipers, warriors, and witnesses. 
And I, I like those as three big headings. They worship God, they are, they are fierce and warriors, and they also deliver messages for God. But I like actually how David Jeremiah put it in his book on angels a little better. He breaks down the, the categories and how they minister to us in, in five different ways. And here are the five ways. They're warriors and they're agents of God's wrath. You would find many instances of this in the scriptures. In Revelation of them delivering God's wrath, Eden's gate, an angel guarding it with a flaming sword. Even the idea that God is quote unquote the Lord of hosts or sometimes interpreted the Lord Seboath. If you read your Bible, you'll find over 200 times that God is referred to as Lord of hosts. What do you mean Lord of hosts? Lord of the heavenly hosts, Lord of the heavenly armies. What are the heavenly armies? The angels. You would find one instance actually where there was a Syrian army assembled and there was 185,000 men that were there. And in one night, one angel obliterated the entire army. Like that, that's a warrior. That, that's fierce. And angels do serve that purpose at times. They're also intended to deliver and protect and defend God's people. You find these stories in the Bible that are more than fiction. They're more than fables. They're more than just these fairy tales that are fun to think about. You find Daniel in the lion's den. If you grew up in church, you've probably are familiar with that story where the lions are there and Daniel is to be eaten by them. But he's not. And everyone's amazed. And, and how did this happen? And Daniel says, God sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions to protect him and to deliver him from what was going on. Peter, and this is a really ironic story if you want to read it in Acts 12, Peter is sentenced to prison. And part of the group that sentenced him to prison is this group called the Sadducees. And the Sadducees are the only group of people in the Bible that are explicitly listed as people that did not believe in angels. They didn't believe that they were real, they're all made up, and, and they don't actually exist. And so they sentenced Peter to prison, and then an angel comes and lets Peter out of prison. And this, and this, there's this really funny episode where there's this person who's letting people out of, Peter out of prison, and he's almost acting like Peter's mom. He's like, hustle up, buddy. Like, get your clothes on. Get your shoes. And, and he's giving him these instructions, and Peter gets on the street, and he's out, and, and eventually it dawns on Peter. He's like, that was an angel that just, like, broke me out of prison and, and got me loose and delivered me and protected me. This, in my experience, and this is just personal experience, it's limited, but in my experience, as I converse with Christians over the years, this one of being delivered and protected are the stories that I hear most often with people in association with angels. Uh, I polled our uh, church staff, or part of our church staff, there were eight of us in a meeting, or nine of us, including me. And I asked them, hey, we're preaching on angels soon. I'm just curious, who would say I have never had an, any sort of experience with an angel that I'm aware of, or I think I have, but I'm really not sure, or like, I'm certain I have. And I wanted to see what they would say. So I, I pulled the eight of them, and two of them said, nah, not that I'm aware of. And five of them said, I think I have, but I, I don't know that I can be for certain. And then one of them said, yeah, for sure I have. And we exchanged some stories, but the stories of I think I have, or I know I have, tended to center on, I was delivered or protected in a way that I don't know how to humanly explain. I shouldn't have made it, that shouldn't have happened, like there was, there was something happened there. 
it got my, my curiosity so peaked that I text my family. We have a group text message thread, and then we have a group Marco Polo. We have a, a bunch of different things. So I text my brothers and my parents and my brother's wives and ask them the same question, you know, rank this. And, and I asked my family, I said, if you have a, a story, I'd love, I'd love to hear it. And so they were saying, no, I haven't. Yes, I think I have. But then both my parents said, I'm in the yes for sure. I said, I've never heard this story. Like, can you please tell me? I'm curious as, as your son. And I won't give you the whole story, but the, the simple version, and my mom left me a, a video message, which was there was a dire situation that was, well, was extremely heavy and pressing and dire. And my mom's account is I called to God and said, God, I need your help right now. And I felt the presence of something that was so, like, I don't know how to explain it, that something was in that room. So much so that I said, who are you? And the angel told me his name and we had a brief conversation. You say, that can't happen. Listen, you always put your stock in God's word, not in people's stories. We've already covered that, right? But that's my mother. (laughs) She's not prone to lie in my mind, right? You say, could that happen? Well, if I read my Bible right, it tells me that angels are sent to minister into the heirs of salvation. If I read my Bible right, angels show up on multiple occasions and they deliver and they protect and they are there. Do they always show up? No, but sometimes they do. Well, what makes them show up and what makes them not show up? I'm not sure. (laughs) I don't know, but I know that they do sometimes. Angels are also sent to provide guidance from God. Jacob had this angel come to him and tell him to go back home. Balaam and his donkey had an angel show up and say, say this and don't say this and give them guidance. An angel comes to Joseph in the Christmas story. We'll look at this next Sunday. On multiple occasions, an angel comes to Joseph and says, Mary isn't lying. And then an angel comes and says, Joseph, get to Egypt. And then an angel comes and says, Joseph, get out of Egypt. There's this angel that is coming to provide guidance from God. They also dispense God's comfort and encouragement. One of the most salient, I think, angel episodes in the Bible is Hagar, this woman who is outcast literally and is on death's door with her young son feeling like life is over for her. And an angel shows up not only to lead her to water, but an angel shows up to give her tremendous words of comfort and to let her know that it is going to be okay. We'll see this in a moment. The angel shows up to Mary, not only with guidance and with a message, but the angel shows up with words of comfort and words of affirmation, as it were, for Mary in the Christmas story. You also find that angels are meant to convey messages to enlighten us. Samson's mama had an angel come and say, you're gonna have a boy. Angels came to the shepherds, right? This is the most uh, potent angel story in the Christmas narrative. They come and they bring good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And they have this message that unto you, this day is born in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And you're gonna find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. What is this? It's an angel message from God to the shepherds. You say, what do I do if I get an angel message? How do I know that it's authentic? How do I know that it's not like a demon masquerading or something? I'll tell you this much. It always lines up with God's word. If you ever get a a message from an angel and it doesn't line up with God's word, run. 
<laughs> this is not right. And it always lifts up Jesus. And this is where we meet Luke chapter one. And I wanna read this little portion of scripture on Mary and the angel and we'll be done. But look at this story through this lens, through this filter of how does this angel come to her? What does he do for her? What does his message look like? And you'll find it is a message of comfort and encouragement, but it is a message that lines up with God's word and exalts the Lord Jesus. Luke chapter one, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her, and he said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, who would like to receive that message, right? You talk about an encourager. Like that's an encouraging message right there that God is with you and you are favored and you are blessed. And notice what Mary does. She doesn't like immediately take this at face value. She's very like perplexed and confused. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Or she started to, to mull it over or her mind started to race. What is happening right now? Am I hallucinating? Am I dreaming? Is, is this real? Is, and she's, she's trying to figure it out, as you would expect, right? It, it, the same thing would happen to you if an angel showed up with a message. You're probably going to be like, what is going on right now? Is this real? And here it is. The angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And listen, here's the message. You shall conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus and he will be great. He shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of David forever, or Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there shall be no end. This message that is like Mary, Jesus is coming and Jesus is awesome. And Mary says this, how is this gonna happen? How shall this be seeing I know not a man? Like I'm a virgin, this, this isn't possible. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also shall that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Mary, here's, this, here's how this is gonna happen. It's gonna happen like it was prophesied. Isaiah said that a virgin would conceive. I know you're a virgin, that's the point. God's going to do this. The word of God will be fulfilled. Jesus will be magnified. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she's also conceived a son in her old age, which was a miracle. This is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And then Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed unto, uh, away from her. Here is this episode of an angel coming as an angel can and angels sometimes do. You say, if I have an angel message or an angel experience, right? I feel like I'm protected by an angel. Does that mean that I'm spiritually special? Honestly, no. It doesn't mean that you're more spiritual or that somehow you're, you're, you're better. But sometimes it does happen, as it did in this instance with Mary. But the message always aligns with God's word and promotes Jesus. The message is always meant to lead us to worship and to extol the Lord Jesus. There's one little snippet in all the Bible 
where angel is used, not of an angel, but of a human. It's this snippet in Revelation 1, 2, and 3, where the angels of the churches are referred to. Angel is Greek word angelos, it means messenger. So there's this little instance where pastors are called angels in the sense that they're messengers. And if I might take that liberty this morning and refer to myself as, a, as an angelos or a messenger, you can call me Angel Mark if you want to. Not really, <laughs> don't do that. I would like to deliver the same message that the angels delivered to the shepherds, that the story of Christmas is all about, the message that I try to deliver week after week after week. Because we can look at our Bible and we can, we can see so much there, but it all should bring us back to the message, the message of Jesus, that Jesus created all, including the angels. And Jesus comes into his creation, the Christmas story. He lives a perfect life. He fulfills the law and he dies on a cross to pay for the sins of mankind. He is buried and he raises from the dead. Not only does he raise from the dead, he ascends to heaven. And now all of those who put their faith and their trust in Jesus are accepted, are blessed, are redeemed, are loved, are forgiven. Why? Because we put our faith in Jesus. And that message is the message that we want to, to fixate on. That message is the message that we want to drive home over and over and over again, that there is salvation and redemption through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus, this is it, I'm done. Thank him and praise him for saving you above all else. Also, it may be fitting, just a suggestion, to thank him for the benefits of salvation. When, you're, when you are redeemed by Jesus, there's a lot of benefits. Sin's gone, heaven is your home, adopted into his family, one of them that you may not really think about much or think of more often is that the angels are now ministering spirits to the Christians. Thank him for that. That's awesome. And if you don't know Jesus, then put your faith and your trust in him today. I would, I would encourage you to do so. Let's take a minute. Let's pray. Father, this morning we stop and we thank you as we conclude this service for loving us and for caring for us. God, you sent your son to die for us and Jesus, you came. And we wanna be so grateful for that above all else. We thank you for all of your provision. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your church. We thank you for so many things. But Lord, thank you for the angels who at times intersect with us in ways that we don't see and do see. Thank you for, if I could say it this way, lending them to us to minister to us on occasion. And Lord, in a room this size, there are a lot of people that need ministering. I know that. I know that there's a lot of hurt this Christmas season. There's a lot of loneliness this Christmas season. There are fears and there are financial pressures. There are stress factors that are enormous. And God, it's in those moments that we stop and we say, would you minister to us? Would you help us? Lord, if you do it through your people, thank you. If you do it through your word, thank you. 
If you do it through an angel, thank you. We're not choosy as to how it may come, but we are needy and we ask that you would help. I pray for every person in this room right now that needs just, just your help and a touch from you. I pray that you would touch and help, that you would minister to them. Lord, we love you and thank you for this grace of ministering angels. And it's in your name that we pray. This morning, I wanna give you an extra 60 seconds or so. I just prayed, but I want you to take a minute and I want you to pray as well. I, I end almost every service this way to give you a time of response. I don't want you just to listen to me pray. I want you to take a moment and to talk to God. I'll be pretty quiet. Thank Jesus that he came at Christmas. Thank God for his ministering angels. And if you need help or you need comfort, you need ministering, would you ask God for it? Don't pray to an angel, but it would be appropriate to even pray, God, if you see so fit, would you send an angel? Minister to me somehow, I need you right now. If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus as your savior, I would encourage you to call out to him in this moment of prayer, just from your heart cry out and say, Jesus, I need you. Would you save me? Would you forgive my sins? Putting your faith in Jesus is not that complicated. You must believe that he was God who died for your sins and rose from the dead. And if you'll put your faith in him, he promises to save you.